Okay, everybody ready for baptism service today? Are we ready? Because I'm ready. Um, so let me just tell you a little bit about baptism service here at One Family Church, what that looks like, just so that you get a sense of what's getting ready to happen. I will, I'm like, I like to give full disclosure at the beginning of baptism services because I have a very specific goal in mind uh, for you, all right? And my goal, I, I don't like the bait and switch. I like the bait and stick. So I'm going to tell you what my, I'm going to give you my bait right now and I'm going to stick with it for the rest of the service. My goal for you is if you are a follower of Jesus who has never been baptized, maybe you have come to faith, you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and you are now in, in pursuit of him, but you've never been baptized, my, my, my goal for you, my hope for you today is that you would come forward at the end of this service and get baptized in this water right here, okay? It's warm. Let me just double check. Let me see. It's kind of cold, but it's not that cold. Um, um, it's not as cold as the water was when I got baptized, okay? They didn't have heat back then. We had to walk through the snow and, oh wait, okay. Anyway, um, my, my, my hope is that if you are a follower of Jesus today and you haven't been baptized, that you will get baptized. Uh, if, you've, if you are a follower of Jesus and let's say you were baptized as an infant, we affirm all Christian baptisms, okay? We affirm all Christian baptisms, but some folks like to be get baptized as a believer after they've made an affirmation of faith as, a, as an adult. If that's you and you have at some point come to a point in your life where you say, you know what, I do believe, I am a believer, and you want to get baptized today, we will also baptize you uh, if you have made that decision to be, become a follower of Jesus. Now, here's my, favorite, here's my favorite group. If you are not a follower of Jesus today, but at some point during this service, you say, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender my life to the Lord. I'm ready to, to embrace God. I'm ready to surrender my life, to allow my old self to die and to be raised anew. Then we will invite you to come and get baptized today. All right? All of y'all. Okay? Now, let me just tell you, if you've got, some of you are right now, you're starting to think like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How's all this going to work? Right? Because, you know, I got, I got my, my Brooks brothers and my Gucci on today. I can't get in the water. We've got you covered. First of all, we've got an amazing baptism team. Baptism team, could you give us a shout out wherever you are? Okay. So we've got a baptism team. There, uh, there are two dressing rooms. Let me make sure I got this one right. The women's dressing room is back on that side in that auditorium. The men's dressing room is in that auditorium back there. And we've got everything you need. We've got towels. We've got flip-flops. We've got T-shirts for you to wear. We've got very modest trunks for you to wear. Don't have to worry about that. Uh, and we have got uh, boxer shorts. We've got camisoles. We've got hair products. We've got mirrors. We've got toothpaste. I mean, we got, we got whatever you need, all right? And let me, let me just tell you this too. If you're here and you're going, well, yeah, but, 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 but Aunt Myrtle isn't here to see me get baptized and I really wish she was here. We've got a a photographer here today. We've got a videographer shooting video right back there. There's no obstacle for you to come and get baptized today. Amen, somebody? So, so the reason we do this is we want to invite you into, into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Because this is, this is how we follow Jesus into his life. We go through a spiritual death a burial in this water, and we are raised to new life. So this is the fourth part of our series, Death, 
burial, and resurrection. And I want to read you a, a passage just to get started. I want to read you a passage from the letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Romans where he describes in explicit language how this act of baptism is, is in following with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So, so just track with me. If you've got your own Bible or you've got your Bible app, you can follow along. This is Romans chapter 6. It's amazing. It says this. Apostle Paul says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So we're being baptized into his death. We were therefore, he said, since we were baptized into his death, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Why? In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. How many of you want a new life today? There's some old stuff. There's some stuff in your life that needs to die and get buried and be raised up to new life. That's what he promises us. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And then he adds this little bit here, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So you see what he's saying there? He's saying, if we're a slave to sin, if we're in bondage to sin, now we are obligated to it. We are stuck to it. We're tied to it. We're chained to it. We can't get out. But if we die, then that obligation is broken. That duty, that responsibility, that crushing weight is broken because we've died to sin and we're going to be raised to new life. We've been set free from sin. Now, uh, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we will believe, we believe that we will also live with him. That's not just in the future. That's right now. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. It's like riding a bike. Once you have defeated death, death cannot defeat you again. You've, once you learn how to ride a bike, you, you mastered that, right? The, the Bible says that once Jesus defeated death, like he died once and then he rose again, what's death going to do? Come after him again? I've already beat you. I've already risen from the dead. I've already defeated death. You have, you have mastery over him. And by the way, let me just say this. When you, when you die spiritually, when, you're, when you repent and get buried with Jesus and are raised again, you've defeated death. You've been raised to eternal life. Your eternal life begins and you don't die again. Jesus said you, you, you'll never die again. Your body may fall asleep at a certain point, but you, are, you, have, you have begun a, a trajectory into eternity forever. You cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, now that's what happened to Jesus, in the same way, you count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Today I want to preach for about two and a half hours on a topic. No, I want to preach for two and a half. I'm only to preach like 15 minutes on the topic raised to life, raised to life. So uh, several years ago, we bought a house in, in University City and we were looking at different houses. And the one thing that I liked about the house that we were looking at that we ended up buying was that the garage had been converted into what I would just call a man cave. It was, it was the prior owner had, had drywalled everything and put electricity in the garage and it, it had a very nice feel to it. It was a nice blue paint color and it didn't have heat but I was imagining myself with like a wood-burning stove out there and flannels and I like a 
you know, weight room out there and a boxing, boxing bag. And like I, I had this mind in my mind, like this is going to be my spot where I will escape from the domesticity of life and I will be in my man cave. And I was like pretty excited about that. So, so I'm having dreams about my man cave out there in the garage. And uh, one day I go out after we, we bought the house and we, I go out and I noticed that on the wall in my man cave, um, before it was built out, I just was dreaming, still in dreaming stage. There were like a few little flecks of something dark on the drywall, like little specks of black something, like powdery almost, you know? So I said, huh, that's weird. I, but you could just flick it off. Just, that's, that's strange. Came back the next day and, and I'm, I'm go back in the man cave and, it, and it's, it's kind of like that again. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. What is that? You know, I, I don't really know what that is. So a few days later, it rained really hard. Okay, it rained really hard. And the next day I came back out to my man cave and there was a spread of black mold is what it was. That was about the size, it looked like a big black butterfly. I mean, it was right at the seam of the drywall and it was just spread out all around the wall, okay? So I thought, oh goodness, what are we gonna do here? So I went over and I like touched the wall, all right? And let me tell you, my finger just poked straight through it. It was just like crumbly, mushy, gushy grossness, right? And I just kind of poked straight through it. And then I kind of, you know how you do, like once you, once you get the hole there, now you're kind of like, you know? I don't know if you're like me, but like now I want to go. So I get a hammer and I start pulling at it. And what I find is that behind this beautiful drywall is, well, actually the wall's not dry. Because behind it, there was a brick wall which was the exterior wall of the garage, and it was deeply compromised. Water was coming, rushing down through it, washing out the mortar, and just, there was, there was a leak in the roof, there was a leak in the wall, there was just water everywhere, and mold had corrupted this entire wall. In fact, what I realized later, not to point fingers, but some prior owner, and I think I might know who it was, but... Um, had recognized this deeply compromised wall and decided I'm going to throw up some drywall to cover, I'm going to patch over, I'm going to paint over a very deep problem, right? And here's the problem with mold. Like, if you just have a little bit, you can put some borax on there, you can throw some ammonia on there, you can put some, some you know, bleach and water on there, if it's just a little bit, and that'll stop it. But if there's an underlying problem, that mold is going to come back. And it's going to actually corrupt the whole wall. And pretty soon the whole thing is going to be rotten. And what I realized is that the prior owner or some prior owner had tried to patch over a major problem. And when they patched over a major problem, the problem was not fixed. The problem was just spreading out. Because they had treated the symptom, they hadn't treated the disease. Do you know what I'm talking about? If I was going to fix this wall, it's not no borax, no ammonia. No compound is going to fix it. I got to tear out this wall. I got to fix the underlying problem. And I got to put up a brand new wall. A lot of times in our lives, we try to fix deep problems with shallow solutions. A lot of times we try to patch over stuff in our life, issues in our life, sin, if you will, in our life that we know is there. And we see it and we try to just kind of whitewash over it, just try to sugarcoat over it and kind of move on as if it's not deep, as if it's not growing in there, right? Some of you like act like you have no idea. No, I don't ever do that. I'm, I'm fully, right? But this is what we do a lot of times. We just put a little patch over it, you know, put a little, put a little makeup over it, put a little paint on it, 
right? Put a little breath mint on it. We try to cover up deep problems, right? Deep problems with shallow solutions. Now, here's what I, here's what I would, would love for you to, to, to admit with me today. Maybe you're prepared to admit it. Maybe you're not. But I, I would like to say that all of us have some, some stuff in our life, some issues in our life uh, that, uh, that uh, challenge us that we haven't completely mastered, that might need to get fixed, and we're tempted to kind of just paint over it or cover it or hide it, right? The Bible calls it sin. Sin is a word that literally, it's an archery term. It means actually to aim at a bullseye with a, with a bow and arrow, to miss the bullseye, right? If you will be willing to admit with me today, I would say that all of us have missed the bullseye a few times in our life. We have done some things or said some things, thought some things, been some places that we look back on with regret and shame. And if we don't address it, it spreads. Now, if you're here today and you're going, you know, actually, I don't, I don't really have issues in my life. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty... I'm pretty squared away. I'm in good shape. I don't have any sins in my life. I don't have anything that I need to address, right? If that's you, what I've done for you is I've made a very helpful visual aid that I think you might appreciate. This, this visual aid is called Issues, some of which you uh, likely apply to you. And they are abusive behavior, alcoholism, anger, arrogance, bigotry, bitterness, bullying, codependency, complaining, control, cr- critical spirit, drugs, envy, fear, gambling, gluttony, gossip, greed, guilt, impatience, jealousy, judgment, lack of self-control, laziness, lust, lying, materialism, narcissism, overspending, overeating, overdrinking, over anything, people-pleasing, perfectionism, <laughs> pornography, pride, procrastination, racism, rage, sex addiction, shame, spending problems, stealing, sexual immorality, self-condemnation, self-righteousness, unforgiveness, wasteful pursuits, workaholism, xenophobia, or some other issue that begins with a Y or a Z. I couldn't come up with any, but something up there applies to you. Somebody's got something up there that you go, okay, that, that, that's, 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 there's a little bit of me in there. All right. Are you with me? All right. Now, if you're here and you go, you know, actually, I don't, I really don't see myself up on that list. I, I just, I look at that list and I'm like, nope, not me, not me. I've got one other list for you. It's a shorter list. This is called your issue, if you couldn't find yourself on a prior list, self-delusion. All right. We all got ish. Tell your neighbor, you got some ish. Tell him, you got ish. You got some ish. Okay. So the question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this ish? What are we going to do with it? We're going to patch it over? We're going to paint over it? Right? The problem is when we do that, it spreads. It spreads, right? But we do it all the time. We try, to, we try to treat the symptom and, and not treat the disease, and then the symptom pops up in a different way. Symptom comes back around. If you don't treat the underlying cause, then the symptom will return. You want to hear a really bad preacher joke? I feel like I just need to add it here. I just need to. I just need to. So there's the story about the guy who goes to the doctor, you know, and he goes to the doctor, and he's got pain in his shoulder, and he goes... Doc, you know, every time, I, every time I do this, man, I'm just shooting pain radiates through my back, my shoulder. Every time I do this, you know, and the doctor, you know, he says, what, what should I do? And the doctor goes, well, you know, thinks about it a minute. He goes, you know what? I think I got the answer. He goes, what's that? He goes, don't do this, right? That was pretty funny. I don't even care if you think it was funny or not. Aren't you guys glad you come to the first service? Because see, now I'll cut that in the second service. They won't get that. They will not get the joy of having that. Um, so we cover it up, but here's what the scripture says about our ish. Like you, you can't just cover it up. You can't patch over it. There's an old self. And what do we have to do with the old self? Here's what the scripture says this. It says, for we know that our old self was 
crucified with him. So if you really want to, to get rid of the stuff in your life that you can't have in there anymore, it's not enough to patch over it. It's got to be crucified with Christ so that the body ruled by sin, the body that is corrupted with the mold, might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. There's a part of us that needs to die. It's not enough to patch over it. It's not behavioral modification. It's not going to handle it. It needs to die. It needs to be crucified. This is what Jesus said. This is why he was crucified. The scripture teaches us that our sin, our old self, our, our nastiness, our rotten wall, right, was taken up with him onto the cross. He took it up to the cross and it was crucified with him. And then his righteousness then was imputed to us. It was given to us. It's this transfer. It's this trans. So he's, he's saying to us today, if you want to get out of the life that you've been experiencing, the old self, there's got to be a death. It's not enough to just, it's not enough to just patch over it. There's got to be a death. death. Here's, here's the thing. When, when you have stuff in your life that you know is there, that you don't want there, you basically have three options. Option number one is justification. Justify. So you just basically, you feel the pain of the, or, the, or the shame or the guilt of whatever it is that you're doing or saying or thinking that you know isn't right. And then one option is, okay, I'm just going to justify it. In other words, I'm going to say, well, it's not that bad. It's, 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 mm, it shouldn't do it, but, you know, I'm just going to, it's not going to be that bad, right? The problem is when you justify the things in your life, the sin in your life, the ish in your life, then you start to blunt the feeling of the experience so that when you come back around and, and are tempted by the same thing, it's easier to do the second time because you don't feel so bad about it, right? Because you've, the scripture says you've seared your conscience. You start to blunt the edge of, of like of the sin and then that just leads to greater bondage because now the second time you go at it, you go, ah, it's, it's not that bad. So you blunt it. You blunt the sin, you justify it, and then you would experience it more and more. And pretty soon you're bound by it, slave to it. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you, like, if, if, you, if, you, if you're in your car and you're driving your car and you don't wash your car for a while, it starts to get a little bit dirtier and a little bit dirtier every day, right? Like, especially if you have kids and they're smearing snuff and stuff and not snuff, stuff. Uh, <laughs> snuff will probably come later when they're... Um, but, but stuff... They're, they're, you know, and then, you know, you kind of don't notice it because it's like day by day, just a little bit, a little bit more. And, and the only time you notice it is when somebody goes, hey, man, can I get a ride with you? And you're like, oh, my God, you're going to get in my car? Like, it's gross, right? When we, when we, when we justify, it just kind of, we just get used to it, right? We just get used to it and it gets worse. So justification, another, another way that we deal with sin is, is condemnation. Condemnation is where you're not justifying it, but basically you're just, you're just punishing yourself for it. You're just saying, I am a, like, like if you lie at work, you lie to somebody, right? Now you, you get, you come home and you feel this deep guilt, this deep sense of remorse or whatever your sin is. You feel this deep sense of guilt, right? And what you do, condemnation is you start to attach your identity to that action. You start to say, I lied, therefore I must be a dirty, rotten liar right? This, the problem with this is this also leads to more sin, more bondage, because now you're going to conform your behavior to your beliefs. 
You're going to conform your actions to your new identity. And if you've identified yourself as like I'm a low down dirty liar, then you're going to start lying because, because that's what happens. Because your, your behaviors are going to conform to your beliefs about yourself. So condemnation might feel more righteous than justification, but it leads to greater sin. You go into what they call a shame spiral. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You do something wrong, you go, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And pretty soon you have, you have wiped yourself out. You are a you are worthless, no, no good, dirty dog, and you hate yourself, right? Because you have condemned yourself. So you can justify your sin, you can condemn yourself, or you can, what the scripture says, repent and, and confess. Repentance is the death that Jesus is talking about, the Apostle Paul. Repentance is the, is the act where you go, you know what, I surrender. I give up. I can't do it. I cannot fix it. And so I surrender it to the cross. I surrender my life to the cross. I surrender my old self to the cross. I surrender my ish. I surrender my sin. I, just, I will die. Just, let, just take it. Just let me repent. It's a turning away of your old life and turning to something new. That's what repentance is. It's, that's the death that the scripture is talking about. Remember how Jesus, the night before he died, he's in the garden and he's going, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Remember when he said that, because he's, he's facing death, right? It's hard to face death. It's hard for you to go, you know what? I'm willing to let it go. I'm just gonna let it all go. I'm gonna surrender my life to Christ. I'm gonna give God my whole life. It's hard to do that. But you can't have life unless you have death. You can't have new life unless your old self has been ripped off the wall and done away with and crucified with Christ, right? Then we don't stay dead. That's the beautiful thing. After death comes burial. The scripture says we were therefore, we were therefore buried with him through baptism. So when you come up today and you get in this tub, this is, this is a... This is a casket. This is a casket, right? This is a, this is a tomb right here. This is a tomb. You come in and your old self dies because you're going to repent at the end of the service. And we bury that old self in this water. And it's buried, right? And it's gone. And it's out. And it's, you're done with it. It does not come back. You have overcome that death. You have mastery over that, Right? That's the burial. And what, what, remember the disciples and everybody thought was going on with Jesus in the tomb. They thought, he was, they thought he was decomposing. He was actually transforming. He was glorifying. Things were changing in that tomb. When you come in this tomb, into this grave, things change for you. Things change for you. An old self dies and a new self begins to be formed and begins to be born, right? But we don't stay buried. We don't stay buried. We don't stay underwater, Right? Here's the last verse I want to say, say to you. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, we're buried in order that, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We get to experience the newness of life. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. You cannot die again. Jesus said, remember, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You cannot die again. Your body can go down into the grave, but you will never die again if you have died to Christ. See, this is, baptism service is the only time we get to celebrate a, a, a funeral and a birthday on the same day. Right? We, we're going we're gonna, to, the funeral of your old self happens today. And we're going to celebrate the birth of your new self. 
The scripture calls it a new birth. You're born again. You're born into eternal life. You're born into Christ, right? Okay, let me, let me stay on track so we have time to baptize people. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus is inviting you into his death through repentance, into his burial through baptism, and into his resurrection into his resurrection through the new life that he gives you by the power of his spirit. Now, let me, let, me, let me just tell you what this looks like, okay? Does that mean you will never stumble again? Does that mean you will never sin again? Does that mean you will never have mold on you again, right? Does that mean you will never, you know, you're, you're gonna be perfect from there on out? Aside from a very few people like my wife, who, for whom that is true, no, um, no, no, that's not what's going to happen, right? That's not what's going to happen. But what is going to happen is that your failures will no longer have the power to keep you from moving forward in life. It means that your sin will no longer have the power to stop you from moving into what God has for you. It means your, your, your victories are not, are not, you're not, you're not identified by your victories and you're not bound by your failures. It means you've been raised to a new life. It means the power of the Holy Spirit is in you to give you new life. And it's renewable. It's renewed every day. Apostle Paul says, I die daily. I'm renewed daily. You get to, you get to be on a trajectory. And here's the beautiful thing. We're not even, we'll get into this in our next series on the Holy Spirit. It takes you into what the scripture talks about and calls sanctification. Which means you just get, you just get better. You just get, your sin has less and less power over you. It has less and less control of your life. And you begin to walk in the newness of life. You begin to feel comfortable in the righteousness of God and the righteousness of Jesus that he cloaks you with. You start to wear it right. You start to take off the old stuff and you start to walk a new life. Some of you today, you need to experience this in your life. And you're here today, and you, you're, some of you are already ready. You, you've already made the decision. I'm going to do it. Some of you are still thinking about it right now. I want to invite you. Don't, don't let things get in your way that shouldn't be in your way. Do not let impediments to this new life stop you from experiencing it. There's a new life for you. My wife knew me before. She knew my old self, and she knows my new self. She likes my new self a lot better, and so do I. Doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it means I got hope, and I'm on a path, and I'm on a trajectory, and I'm going somewhere. I've been cleansed. I've been redeemed. I've been, I've been baptized. I've been sanctified by His Spirit. I'm moving forward in life because I've been born anew. You can't be born anew unless you're dead, buried, and resurrected. I'm going to do this. Would you all stand with me right now? Worship team, come up. Here's what I want to do. This is for everybody. This, this part is for everybody. I'm going I'm to pray a prayer of repentance. And I would invite you to repeat after me as I pray this prayer of repentance. Okay? And you don't have to have, you know, be repenting for the first time in order to pray this prayer of repentance. You, don't, you, you can just pray this prayer of repentance with me even if you've, even if you've repented before. But if you're here today and this is the first time that you have repented or, the, or, or this is the first time that, you know, you're, you're giving your life to the Lord or you're giving your life to the Lord, you know, in the past, you want to renew your repentance, then I'm going to lead you through a prayer of repentance. 
And I'm going to invite you to pray it with me. And then as soon as we're done, stay with me now. As soon as we're done with this prayer, if you are ready to get baptized, we're going to, you're going to head straight out these doors. Men are going to go this way over here with Mr. Tyler. Say, hey, Tyler, put your hand up in the air. Women are going to go back right over here. We got Tina back here. Oh, we got Pamela back here. Ron back here. So women are going to go in, in, into the women's dressing room. Men into the men. We're going to change. We're going to do communion. Wow. And then we're going to get you back in here and we're going to baptize. All right. So let's, let's bow our heads. Let me pray a prayer of repentance and you repeat after me. Okay. Father, we come before you today with gratitude in our hearts for your mercy for your love, for your grace. We're thankful for a new beginning. We're thankful for your death. We're thankful for your burial. We're thankful for your resurrection. Give us strength to follow you into your death, into your burial, into your resurrection. We repent. We return, we turn away from our sin, from our ish, from our stuff, and we turn towards you. Fill us with your spirit. Lead us into a new life. Let us experience your power, your love, and your mercy. To you be the honor, God, and all the power. And all the glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, everybody. Amen.